Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Coalescence Publishing Podcast. I am Casey Long. Um, if you've listened in the past, you know I have a co-host, Wyatt, really awesome guy. He is not going to be attending tonight due to some work obligations. But we got a pretty exciting episode tonight. We have a guest, Chris Everhart, really accomplished guy. And he is one of our new authors here at Coalescence Publishing. Chris? Wubba lubba dub dub. How's it going? Oh, another day in paradise, man. You know how it is. Yeah, well, I'm in Minneapolis and it snowed here over, <laughs> overnight. So <laughs> <laughs> spring is over for a few days anyway. Oh, yeah. We we had some thunderstorms and a tornado earlier in oh, Tennessee. Geez. So Yeah, we're not there yet. Ah, uh, no. But we're all safe. Are you safe? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Tornado hit near the mountains where no one lived. So, yeah. no big deal. Right on. That's good news. Chris, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I'm an award-winning author of more than 20 books, uh, mostly for young readers. That would be chapter books and uh, quite a few graphic novels that uh, were you know, many of those were published for what they call reluctant and struggling readers. And uh, I've also done some, I guess what I call long form fiction as well, like uh, the Delphi trilogy that um, Coalescence is going to be picking up. And um, let's see, I've been writing since around the year 2000. And I've had some, you know, some experience in the publishing business. I kind of know the landscape, at least, which is a good thing. And uh, I'm really excited to be with uh, with Coalescence. You guys are are pretty fired up about getting things going with a few authors, and uh, I'm really just uh, psyched to be on board. Well, Chris, I think I speak for everyone with the studio. We're really glad to have you on board, man. Um, you know, I, I feel like you, you know, share our image, you know, just wanting to write, you know, just to write and to make it a friendlier and more available, you know, option for writers out there to publish. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started I, at a time before... Mm -hmm. Uh, before there was Kindle or, or anything like that is when I started. And at that time, you know, the self-publishing was literally you got books printed and you carried them around to, you know, bookstores and begged them to put them on the shelf because that was really the only way to to get uh, books out there. Um, I don't know about online distribution at that time in 2000. It was fairly new. I mean, I remember... I don't, you know, Amazon was a bookstore at first and then they started carrying records and CDs. Um, and then they started offering electronics and that kind of thing. And, uh, so that, all that was still pretty new when I got started. It's so really publishing has changed a lot, a lot over the years. And, you know, we've had some conversations about that. So it was for me early on, it was write a book, revise it a couple, well, a few times, uh, and send it out to agents and publishers and see if you can get somebody's interest. You know, I've always, um, I, I guess, 
you know, since I've gotten into the industry and stuff, I never really thought about what it was before we had, you know, digital publishing and self publishing Mm -hmm. and all that, that, that is pretty interesting because you think of authors like J.R.R. Tolkien, Lovecraft, so on and so forth. They had to get their books out there to so many people before Mm -hmm. it got picked up. And now we just send it off at the click of a button, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That has, it has its, um, you know, has its downside, but the upside is you can go directly to the audience. You don't need anybody, uh, in between anymore to punch your ticket and tell you that your work is good or, or not, or, you know, you just, if, you know, if you're ready to publish, you can hit publish and, uh, that, audience also that you need to be you know successful and solvent as a writer can be a lot smaller than it used to be too because uh working writer author these days is making more per book than probably ever before mm-hmm. now one question i have for you chris so back before publishing really went digital yeah back in my day (laughs) back in your day that's right you used to have to crank the car to start it (laughs) um now did you ever get picked up by a publisher in the past uh well i did a bunch of contract work for um children's book publisher located here in the twin cities there's there's like two or three publishers around the Minneapolis St. Paul area for some reason I, I think one reason is that um there's the Twin Cities is a huge education uh community there are I, I don't know at least a dozen major colleges or universities around here but the uh focus on the publishers that I worked for early on you see I well let me go even further back is the reason I started writing was that I, I I studied art from junior high through college, graduated from college, immediately stopped doing art, <laughs> found myself creatively frustrated. I wanted to go to film school, but at that time I had a kid at home and you know uh, house and cars to pay for and stuff. Um, so I really couldn't afford. It. I didn't have the time or the money to go to film school, but I'd I'd been saving some ideas for when I would get to make a film and and write a script. So what I did was I just, I decided, well, what can I do that doesn't cost anything? And the answer was write a book. So I took a, an idea that I'd been, you know, kicking around and uh, created a, a, a adult mass market thriller, political thriller that I worked on for five years, but it never went, (laughs) never went anywhere. And, um, and the reason is I now realize because it wasn't very good. And um, during that time, because I was networking a lot with writers and uh, hanging around actually one of the local bookstores here, um, I bumped into an editor who was the managing editor for one of these uh, kids' books publisher publishers. And their, uh, their whole thing was, you know, they didn't necessarily sell in bookstores. What they did was they created stuff specifically for the school and uh, youth library market. And, um, I got a, you know, I, I talked to this guy, I went home, had an idea. I wrote a book in a weekend, sent it to him. He didn't like that, but he said, Hey, I like your writing. So let's come up with some ideas. So basically he told me what, 
what they wanted. And I pitched a few ideas and we settled on some. So that's kind of, that's how I got rolling. And, and I found that I really enjoyed writing for youth. <laughs> Basically I'm writing to my 12 year old self, you know, in a lot of ways. And you mm-hmm. know, in some of my other things I'm writing to my, my teenage self. Um, so I, that, that's kind of the, how we got to, to where, uh, where I am and why I have so many, uh, uh, books that are focused on young adult and, you know, middle grade, that kind of thing. Okay. And was there a question in there? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're fine. Um, I do have a question for you though. Yeah. So writing, you know, youth based books and then young adult fantasy and all that, um, have you had any like really positive experience writing it and any negative experiences writing that best experience I ever had was when, uh, when I first released the Delphi, uh, trilogy, I think it was, it was probably the first book. Um, a, uh, a woman who I've known since sixth grade, uh, brought her three kids to a book signing at a local bookstore. And, um, her oldest boy, who was 20, I think at that time, was autistic, you know, pretty severely autistic. And, you know, we, she introduced us and I signed mm-hmm. books for the kids and they went home. And about a month later, I got a message from her saying that her oldest boy, who was autistic, sat down and read the entire book and loved it. And that was the first book he'd ever read. Wow. Because of his learning disability. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can, I can write the rest of my life and never get a better review than that. So I think I'm pretty well set. That's really awesome. Yeah. I, um, go ahead. I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't either. That was pretty remarkable. You know, when you sit down to write, I mean, you know, you're a writer, you're just kind of I, 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 trying to get a story out there mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like this this thing's kind of bubbling up and i just need to i need to get it on paper and get it out there hoping that somebody else will like it and i'm i'm really you know i'm results oriented when it comes to writing in particular i want to know that somebody's going to read it otherwise to me there's kind of like eh, you know i don't know if it if it really matters if i if i write it or finish it so um but yeah i you, I, you never expect something like that um, and as far as, uh, negative experiences, um, well, and on the writing side, all my negative writing experiences are pretty much, you know, self-inflicted. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm a, I'm one of those artists, you know, if nobody else is around to torture me, then I'll just torture myself if you don't mind. Um, as far as the industry goes, um, I, I I found the old version of publishing really frustrating, limiting, um, uh, unhealthy for authors. And then, unfortunately, once the self-publishing Kindle and, and those uh, options kind of came in, again, self-inflicted, I haven't grown up. Well, I shouldn't say that because a lot of people my age, I'm 53 now, um, have adapted pretty well to it. I just have a, for some reason, have a hard time really grasping all of those 
you know, moving pieces that, 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 uh, um, that authors who are self-publishing and doing well are, are, are working on. Um, so that, you know, that's been kind of a negative experience. It's kind of like it went from one extreme to the other, you know, at first there's no opportunity because it was always the old, uh, you know, you gotta, you know, you have to be published to get an agent and you have to, you know, have an agent to get published. And then later on it was, and also I was in one of my quitting periods. I actually wrote a whole book about this that I haven't released yet. So, you know, you guys will have to tell me if you want me to release it, but, um, and then I, I was probably in one of my quitting periods or I was trying really hard to grasp what was going on with the um, technology part. And I had a, I, I just couldn't quite get it. Um, so, you know, I've, and I've had I can't complain a whole lot. I just haven't had uh, I haven't had the level of product, not so much success and money, but more the level of production that I really would want. You know, I know I'm capable of having written a lot more books um, than I have. So those are, you know, some of the positive and negatives. Okay. So lo- looking at today's way of publishing, Chris, what do you think the number one problem is? Do you think it's, do you think it has too much opportunity in it today? to really matter to an author? Do you think some authors just get drowned out by the algorithm that's out there? Well, the shift has happened to where, and by the way, this, this, this version of the, of publishing is still really new. I mean, it's just gotten up on its two feet, you know, and walking. So, you know, it's not in an infant stage anymore, but you know, it's, it's not very old. And that's another reason that I'm excited to be working with you guys. Cause I think you're getting in at a really exciting time as a publishing studio. Uh, cause I think that the, that the, the publishing studios who are taking advantage of this new way of doing it are, you know, you're going to be, you're the next wave, so to speak of, of the new version of publishing. And, you know, someday you, you'll be the established ones, right? <laughs> and then, so, but so uh, if there are problems with it, it's that it's, it's, it's more and more a pay to play kind of uh, system now, which is not necessarily bad, right? But there was a time very early on when I literally, if you had a, an ebook <laughs> out there, it didn't even matter if the cover looked good. Just the fact that there was something out there, people would snap it up. And that was, you know, and a lot of authors really got, um, got some momentum that way. And then after a while it was getting a little more, you know, you, you, a little more refined as far as the product, uh, social media coming along was helping, uh, authors develop audiences, you know, individually. Uh, and at that time there were a lot of free promotions and that kind of thing that on Kindle in particular would, help authors really come out big and hit um, hit bestseller lists with their their books um, these and over the past few years it's been shifting to you really you really have to advertise you know you really have to work harder at uh, developing your personal connection with your audience and again it doesn't have to be a huge audience but I think uh, 
we talked about like a thousand true fans, didn't we? Yeah. That mm-hmm. yeah. So the Kevin Kelly um, idea, and I there's plenty of arguments that uh, about the details of that, but we no longer need a giant bestseller smash hit, right? But what we do need is we need to develop that audience that will regularly and reliably communicate with us and buy what we create. Lately, developing that audience is, you know, you got to put more skin in the game. It literally costs money to put your ads out there and, and, yeah. uh, and get featured. And again, not necessarily a bad thing because when you advertise, you are you are put into an exercise of defining who <laughs> who you are advertising to right and that to me there's nothing wrong with that defining you know who your audience is mm-hmm. and i i agree with you in that point um you wouldn't advertise you know a kids book to you know someone in their late forties or fifties, like a Tom Clancy fan. Yeah. You know, well, actually, actually mm -hmm. you would (laughs) because the parents buy the book. Ah, good (laughs) thinking. I didn't even realize that (laughs) a middle grade novel or a YA novel. Interestingly enough, middle grade in particular, I've, I've heard that it can be a little harder to, um, to develop an audience there. Hold on and sell books. Um, but, uh, YA has a lot of crossover. So a lot of adults are buying, I, I read a lot of YA, you know, so there's some crossover there too. That's really interesting. So oh, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, abs- accidentally unplugged my headphones. So, yeah. So, it, but again, you still have to, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a, a, a person who's reading, you know, uh, Tom Clancy style sweeping political thrillers, whatever, is not going to necessarily pick up a book like the Delphi trilogy, which is, you know, kind of like a a thriller with an with a paranormal angle, right? A little urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. Going back to um, you know being successful with today's publishing standards and all, I think a lot of it really matters on the type of genre you write and what you're putting out into the marketplace. Um, a quick story to tell you back when I was in college, so many years back, (laughs) (laughs) I, um, I had a a roommate and, you know, we both liked to ride and stuff and we were part of, you know, the writers guild at the college. Well, he started, you know, this is back when Kindle publishing was really new. You know, I think it might've been out a year if that, and he started writing, you know, erotica and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm personally not the type of person to write that stuff totally for anyone writing it though. You do you, Uh Mm -hmm. um, but he would write, you know, 5,000 words, a story, and he'd get a story done in like a week and he would publish it every month as a series on Kindle publishing. Mm Mm-hmm. His first year doing that, he made over twenty one thousand dollars. <laughs> nice. And I touched base with him earlier this year, and he, you know, he still does the same strategy, same yeah. stuff. 
still now he does it full time and mm-hmm. he makes a livable wage. And that's yeah. all of our dreams as authors here. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't have his stuff edited. Mm-hmm. He, you know, uses stock photos for, you know, cover art that he does. Mm-hmm. It's all self-contained. Yeah. And we look at that success and compare it to someone who, you know, another friend of mine spent three years working on a fantasy novel, spent a thousand dollars on a piece of cover art for it, mm-hmm. had it professionally edited four years into the game. They have made probably a hundred cells of that. Yeah. So it really depends on what you're writing to. I feel like. Um, I, I would, I think that's fair. There are some, you know, there are openings in the market here and there when something is new and, uh, there's not enough of it. Um, and then, you know, that market can, can mature and then there's another new thing. Right. So, um, it's not unlike, you know, in the, in the film business, you know, for a couple few years, there's, you know, there's a, a huge market for, I, I do film too, by the way. Um, there's a, there's a huge market or a huge demand for, you know, low to mid budget horror films. Right. And so everybody goes and does that. And then, you know, next year they're like, Oh, too many horror films. You know, we need horses on a beach film, you know, and that kind of thing. So, (laughs) um, those do open up, uh, occasionally. And then, yeah, obviously there are the perennial money makers like romance and erotica and stuff. But, uh, we've been talking about this a little bit about, you know, developing that audience connection too, is that um, you, you're, you're more likely to develop an audience if you're already part of a community that is into fantasy, right. Or mm-hmm. into, you know, so for example, let's say I write medieval fantasy or, you know, some version of medieval history fiction. Right. So, I'm going to have, and, and I like to go to the Renaissance fairs and that kind of thing. Well, I'm going to naturally have friends who are into that stuff and, you know, Hey, maybe, you know, I'm developing that already have that social network. And then I say, Oh, by the way, I wrote a book, you know, what do you think? <laughs> and you already have a sort of an audience built in. Um, one good way that I've found to short circuit that and become part of a, sort of an existing network or group is something that, you know, I know Coalescence is planning on doing, and that's that's going to Comic-Cons. Yeah, we have our first one planned on May the 13th. We're going to be down oh. at Chattanooga at okay. MetroThemCon. Okay, uh, nice. It's a, you know, it's a multi-genre convention, and the guys mm-hmm. there seem really cool. Um, so we're going to be there May the 13th, 14th and 15th this year. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's pretty exciting, but yeah, I I agree. You go to places like that, you build that network up, you interact with the people there that already have, you know, somewhat of an interest already Mm -hmm. or similar interest rather. And yeah, it, it can be very beneficial. Yeah. And I, I, I went to, I think it was Chattacon when I lived in Tennessee and had a good time at that. Uh, the one that you're, what's it called? Uh, uh, Metro Than. Yeah, I think that was one of the newer, the, the newer one. There had been a, a new one that had just started. Of course, that was, you know, that was a few years ago. But yeah, maybe I'll come by and come down and visit you guys. 
I'm going to make a trip down there someday anyway. Yeah, I mean, doors open for you. If you want to, just let me know and I'll get you yeah. a weekend pass. Yeah, cool. Um, and, why, you know, God, it was such a fun crowd. Love Comic-Con. So much fun. Oh, when I would go to conventions, i go to, um, you know, Fanboy Con and here in Knoxville. Well, Fanboy Expo. Mm-hmm. And it's just so cool interacting with the vendors just mm-hmm. even vendors that you've never even heard of before just hearing hearing their story and their interest that's part of what got me hooked on lovecraft was uh-huh. i met an author who you know had some of his books out there and i read it and i actually emailed him back and i'm like hey what type of genre is this you know because it dealt with cops cosmic horror and stuff i've yeah. never heard of that yeah and he referred me to lovecraft yeah. and that's what started <laughs> it man oh, so yeah. oh and that's a that is a rabbit hole so good though oh my yeah. god yeah oh man but, i was just listening to a uh, uh, audio of uh the horror at red hook oh uh, man last night and i just i was thinking about how um uh, I told Wyatt that I was angry that he wasn't going to be on to talk about, you know, to f- continue the genre talk that you guys had last on the last episode because I'm way into it. But I think what's really interesting about Lovecraft in particular was the, is the buildup is so slow and creepy and interesting all at the same time, you know. So long before anything, quote, happens, it's just the atmosphere that he builds mm-hmm. just with the way he words things and, uh, and the stuff he talks about is uh, the the angle that he comes to these things uh, at was uh, just so good. Oh yeah, and for the time, you know, it was very bizarre. Mm-hmm. But my favorite story from Lovecraft is the Cats of Ulthar, and it is so creepy. I'm not familiar you know? with that one. It's it basically takes place in this village, and you know, there's some weird things going on with the cats going missing in this town. <laughs> and they, you know, it, it all builds up to the people in this cottage that cats are going into. They're, they're killing them or doing something with them. Ugh. And basically it all ends with the cats coming back and eating the people. <laughs> it's so great. Yeah. You know, never expected it. Yeah. But mm. Um, speaking of Wyatt, he did want me to ask you a question. Um, let me see here. So since a lot of your work deals with, you know, YA and we've talked about your experiences with it, Mm -hmm. what do you think it could look like in the future? YA in particular? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking back right now as I as I think over some of the uh, the YA stuff that I've read um, in the last few years, and it's interesting because uh, you know when I was um, I graduated from high school in 1986, there wasn't much YA literature. S.E. Hinton had The Outsiders, and there was uh, Catcher in the Rye. <sighs> And, you know, some of, some of that stuff, but there wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't like James Patterson. There wasn't a James Patterson cranking out YA, like, you know, he has the last few years. And so the, the subject matter is really, 
evolved and matured as I think as its own genre, so to speak. And um, I, you know, haven't haven't thought much about this, so I'm kind of winging it right now. But I think over um, books like, uh, you know, and you, you know, then there's there's books like The Giver, which are arguably pretty literary, um, and uh, Harry Potter really tore things open because uh that was that that first book really was an eye opener to where the the author was putting the uh the kid in real danger so that you know not that the outsiders didn't i mean they were trying to kill each other but um oh lord of the flies that was the other the other classic mm-hmm. um and then so in the last few years like 10 15 years ago or so um a really, really interesting plots, themes, storylines started to come out like um, Unwind by Neil Schusterman, which is uh, basically the premise is that um, it's in the near future after a civil war had been fought in the United States over, and one of the main issues was abortion. And the compromise is that any child can be aborted for any reason up until they're 18 years old. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that. <laughs> what? Yeah. And we are, I mean, that is a, and then you, you take things like, uh, uh, of course, uh, cat, Katniss Everdeen, um, the, <laughs> the hunger games. Oh, right. Mm-hmm, I mean, those mm-hmm. are really, really high concept uh, stories um, that that have seriously high stakes for the the characters. So, you know, you take something like a super high concept and then you, you put like a Lord of the Flies type of danger element into it. You know, Lord of the Flies, arguably, you know, fairly realistic. Um and you know we've got we're maturing into some really really interesting uh, plots and storylines and themes. And one, in fact, the the new project I'm working on for you guys is I think well, and either either I've I'm breaking new ground or it's been done before and it's going to look like hack material. I don't know, but we're going to find out. But the the idea is that. Um, those of us working in the genre of YA are able to really draw out some really deep and interesting plots and themes that not only connect with with you know a, a teenager's sensibility about their place in the world, right, but also um, kind of expand into the adult and general society uh, themes, right? I mean, that, that, that I, Schusterman's idea about abortion is like mind blowing, you know? Um, and, and, but, but if you think about it, it's like that, um, that concept gets to the heart of, you know, a teenager feeling like they don't belong, you know, like their parents don't trust them or, and vice versa. Right. Um, and it really, really teases out, I think, a lot more of the 
deeper human themes. That's that's and I and I think that YA is going to continue to mature in that way, and we might even see some really truly you know quote unquote great literature come out of it. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a literature literature guy, but I love stories, you know. So mm-hmm. I think now, it's going to be really interesting. One thing I've noticed over the past few years, we have a books a million, you know, at the mall where I live. Oh, yeah. I used to and... hang around books a million all the time. That was my <laughs> home away from home. Oh yeah, absolutely. Books a million Johnson there. City, shout out. Woo woo. Uh oh. Books <laughs> a million Morristown, Tennessee, shout out. That's right. Uh, <laughs> now I will say, um, you know, a few years back when I'd go to Books a Million, you know how they have everything separated by genre and yeah. stuff. Yeah. They did not have a young adult section, mm. but now they do. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, you know, you'll find Hunger Games, um, mm-hmm. The Maze Runner, yeah. you know, and all these Twilight, for example, Twilight, mm-hmm. you know, took off. Yeah. And you'll find all of these books there that have been written fairly recently. And it's mm-hmm. so amazing how quick it has turned into a very prominent genre. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's exploded in the last like 15 years. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's just. Uh, One day I'm going to try to get a podcast together with you and someone else. Um, her name's Fanny price. She, yeah, is, I heard your interview with her. Yeah. She's, her. she's very, she's wonderful. awesome. Yeah. Shout out to you, Fanny. You are Hi, Fanny. awesome. You are. Um, I'm going to reach out to message her and see if we can get her on here next time. And um, yeah, anytime. Talk about some more YA stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like that, Chris. I uh, I think we're going to call it there. You know. Alrighty. I well, am good. Good hanging with you for a little while. I'm looking forward to doing it again. Pencil me in for. Any and all future episodes. Yeah, man. Me and I'd be happy to have you. You know, I've been wanting to expand what we talk about with this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think having more guests and stuff on there would be part of that process. So, yeah. And it's, it's, I, you know, I, I listen to a couple podcasts where it's groups of writers and publishers just, you know, talking about what's going on and, and themes as well. And it just, I have a, a very small group of, of authors that I meet up with here in town once in a while. And it's just so nice to be able to sit and talk about this stuff <laughs> with somebody who is kind of on the inside and gets it. It's just, I think it's a really important. So having this on a more regular basis is, you know, would be great. I've always been an advocate of talking about the things you love with people that also share it. Yeah. Um, you know, back when I was in college real quick, we didn't have an English club mm. and I spoke with my English professor and she's like, well, there's no one here that really likes Shakespeare. And I'm like, well, they don't have to like Shakespeare <laughs> yeah. to be in the English club. And right. we worked out the, you know, the details and, we started the Word Up Club. Shout out to Walter State Community College here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we got a lot of people that were interested in poetry, modern writing and stuff. And we would meet on a weekly basis talking mm-hmm. about that. And yeah. it, you know, a lot of them went on to be published authors now. Cool. So I feel like talking about stuff with people that share your interest will help 
you brainstorm and it also helps you network with people. Yeah. So, yeah, agreed. Well, Hey man, I loved having you on the podcast tonight. Um, I'm definitely going to bring you on to the next one and looking forward to it. To all you all listening out there to all you all, that's my Southern coming out. (laughs) Have you come up with a name for the coalescence fans yet? Uh, coalesces, <laughs> coalesces, coalesces. All right, yeah. Like um, I just came up with that. Uh, <laughs> less or or less e. <laughs> uh, ooh, I, I need to brainstorm on that one. Yeah, but yeah, and I was I, also uh, I like like to hear the announcement that you're what was it over fifteen hundred followers yeah we reached 1500 followers i would like to give a special shout out to our very own e marie she is awesome she's been Way helping manage our go. twitter yeah nice work and she you know has kind of taken the foundation that we gave her and she has done nothing but build upon it so sweet yeah she gets the air horn of appreciation <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. And also I, I I'm can... making I'm making the trucker, you know, pulling the the horn thing while I do that, by the way. You can't you can't just make the sound. You gotta pump the arm at the same time. You know when I was young, I was riding with my mother and I did that same thing, but <laughs> to a police officer that was near us and he pulled us over. <laughs> <laughs> Way to go, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he was cool about it and yeah. all that, but yeah, it, he thought I was in danger. Was making oh. a signal. <laughs> My mom was just and like, all, and also the fact that you'd scribbled "help me" in the fog <laughs> on the mirror. <laughs> That's funny. Oh man. <laughs> well. I want to go ahead and pop on out of here. Um, all you guys listening in, thanks for tuning in. Um, we'll try to do these podcasts on a more regular basis. That's, you know, been a goal of mine for a bit. Just, you know, working with people's schedules. So. All right. Have a great day. All right. You too, Chris. See you. Bye now.